Hey guys, this is Matt with the Great Romance Podcast. And as always, conversations that happen before we start recording are fun. And sometimes I'm like, I wish we would have, but I we're this is gonna be fun. My guest today is Corey Mann. Corey, how are you, man? I am good. Thank you for asking. How are you? I am doing well. And I was explaining to Corey why I wanted him as a guest so he didn't think I was a total stalker. Um, there are a lot of things that just, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so first of all, how long have you been in just this industry in radio? And I love to always hear, how did you get started? Sure. There's a lot to unpack there, Matt. So all right. let, me, <laughs> let me start with a question. How yes. many times have you scrolled through and saw somebody you liked, mm-hmm. reached out to them, to have them on the podcast and they said yes i could count them on one hand am i one of the one yes <laughs> and and honestly i i was surprised because you're right that it it doesn't usually work that way and and i understand like people are busy and people are inundated with things and i get that but when somebody does say hey why not um i don't know it just makes you feel good inside because i i feel like you're the type of person who who also can go hey you know everybody doesn't start out at this level everybody starts somewhere and then works their way up and if if nobody ever gives somebody a chance you know mercy me wasn't mercy me on day one some of these artists who have made it radio people who have made it 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 just it doesn't happen like that so just let me tell you thank you for even going who is this joker, <laughs> you know, and, and actually saying, let's do it, man. So I thank you for that. You got it. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of chance. I'm a big fan of, um, I, I would like it if I reached out to somebody and they said, yes. So I, yeah. I knew exactly the angle you were coming at. Um, and I'm, I've got a great story in my opinion about, uh, chance. So we'll, we'll get to that. So okay. let, me answer, let me answer your original question. I've been in radio broadcasting since I was 18 years old. As you and I record this, I'm 54. So you do the math because I don't do math. (laughs) Um, Mainstream radio from 91 to 02. I worked at a local church and did high school ministry for five years. Took a little time out, then jumped into Christian music. I've always listened to it, but I jumped into christian music and christian radio in january of 09 so if the math is right this january is my 15th year in this genre awesome man that's great and i just heard worked at a church high school ministry student ministry yeah i wasn't a youth pastor but i was a youth director uh i've been attending that church and uh boy i called an audible took a huge pay cut and uh became a youth director and uh one of the best seasons of my life and and again another reason i feel you're a kindred spirit pursuing christian music and that thing for 20 plus years my church asked me to be the youth pastor i said no god said yes i've been doing it for six years and i agree one of the best decisions i've ever made i i just i feel simpatico with you man (laughs) god remembers every yes yeah that's on a podcast I had to delete today. More on that in a little bit. 
I didn't know if we were going to talk about it or not. <laughs> oh, yes. This is your that's, this is your show, not mine. That's great, uh, man. You ask me, I'll tell you. But uh, <laughs> let me tell you about chances taking a chance. You, you put yeah. yourself out there. You asked me to be a guest on your show. I'm very humbled. It's a privilege. So in mainstream radio, I got to a point, Matt, where we need to have guests on our show. I want to chase after some guests. And I understand that we're going to have to start low. I'm in nowhere, Indiana market, you know, 181 in radio world, but we've got quite a decent following at this radio station. So this is, this is pre-internet by the way, or right on the front end of internet. Okay. So long story short, I land a guest for our morning show and he was the heavy set guy in the movie Beetlejuice. No. You remember him during the seance? He was kind of flamboyant. Yes. And uh, I'm remembering him in the dance. When yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. He was in Planet of the Apes, that remake oh, wow. at the time. And his name escapes me, but I found him on the early version of the internet. And he oh. was so like excited that I found him. And uh, he was a working actor at the time. That was our very first guest. Oh, his name is on the tip of my tongue. We could easily Google it or whatever. I know. <laughs> but um, but it was fun. And we and and the running joke on the show, Matt, was all right, there's the bar. Okay. Now how do we how do we start doing stuff? Right. Can I name drop? Absolutely. <laughs> now remember, this is in the 90s. Okay. So it would have been a bigger deal then. But uh Crocodile Hunter, Steve Irwin was a guest on the show. Oh my gosh. Dan Lee was a guest on the show. Muhammad Ali, who never did public interviews, was a guest on the show, like in person. And it was all just chipping away at getting the audience involved. How can we how do we, how do we get go better than Glenn Shaddix was his oh, name? Man. <laughs> That's a deep cut right there. Yeah. <laughs> and we just kept going and we just kept going. And we would name a movie. And it's like, can we get one of the kids from the Breakfast Club? Oh my god. And then we did. And can we get Ralphie from A Christmas Story? And we did. And we just just kept chipping away. So um, I totally understand when you put yourself out there like you did. And that's exactly why I said yes. And and imagine if more people were that way, who kind of remember where they came from. But it, like you forget it really quick. And I know that's human nature. I don't think everybody's a jerk. I just think like, you know, in the beginning, you're you're hustling, you're doing your thing because you have to. And then it's like how easily that gets left in the rearview mirror of other people who like started to talk to you. And and like even on my level of just music, you know, we we never reached like Chris Tomlin level fame or anything. But but we were a little bit bigger than somebody else who was just getting started. And one thing I always tried to do is when people would message or ask questions. How did you get where you're at? I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I always tried my best to be like, well, let me tell you what I did. It might not work for you, but here's Mm -hmm. at least like to give somebody time, you know, uh, I think that's what it is. And so it's just, if anybody gets anything from this podcast today, remember that when you're dealing with people and dealing with life, like, you know, you were once where other people were. um, And if we'd all be helpful, geez, imagine what the world would be. Well, I also, not to get too over-spiritualized, Matt, but I think God puts people in your pathway for a reason Mm -hmm. and doors of opportunity. And 
in hindsight, which is a total gift, is totally like, okay, God wanted that to happen because right. there's no reason why that person responded because I sure. am nobody from nobodyville. And um, so I, I, it's all about perspective, I would say. And, um, you know, what's the worst they can say? No. Okay. I wish, I wish you knew a snapshot of who I was because you just used two words that I use all the time. And one phrase perspective, which has become my favorite thing because it's changed my entire outlook on life of, of trying to get into people's mind and go, where are they coming from? Cause it changes how you view things. And then also what you just said, what's the worst they can say is no, but, but don't you think, well, let me ask you in this day and age, do you think that's just a hard thing for people rejection? Like they just can't handle it. Sounds about right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not that way because I kind of like you, the worst that happens is you didn't respond or you're like, Hey man, I just don't have the time, but thanks for reaching out. People and then get you into forward. their own heads. People get into their own heads and start to have a dialogue of how this conversation was going to go before it ever mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. You know, so you're, I don't want to say that you were doing this, but the example is you're okay. I'm going to slide into his DMS. I'm mm -hmm. going to, I'm going to try to hook him with a, Hey, I saw this thing and I was wondering if you'd like to, you know, whatever. And then send. You know, you're something, you know? <laughs> right. I think there's people that are like, I don't want to go through any of that. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I've talked, I've talked myself out of it before I even texted it. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's such like a pro like being in youth ministry. Um, we talk about this all the time, how like kids are afraid to fail. And I don't know about you, like some of the best lessons I learned in life was because I failed. And they, the like, church can't. I worked at was very pro. You must try stuff mm -hmm. so you can figure out if it works or not. And if it doesn't figure out how to make it better. Right. Case in point, I'm doing a teaching on one of my favorite Bible stories. The four friends that lower the paralyzed man through the roof. Yes. The room is packed. It's sold out. Standing room only. Where can you take, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just saying of what I inherited. I inherited a 400 student youth group. Wow. So I took all uh, 400, 350 of them and went into the man, the men's bathroom of the church and shoved us all in there and then did the, the, did the teaching of that story from the sink. And we're all in there. <laughs> Like this, because I, how do you give them perspective? If you're in a giant right. auditorium, it's not going to work. But if you get them uncomfortable and all of a sudden, you know, you kind of point up at the dry, the, the drop ceiling. And it's like, imagine Jesus teaching from the scrolls. And all of a sudden this dust is falling. And he's like, man, I could have sworn on my rider, there was supposed to be a roof, <laughs> you know? And all of a sudden here comes these four guys. And the big lesson is, you are saved because of your friends, right. you know, and there's just, there's so many moments there. And so my big thing was trying to do that every week, Matt, right? What's right. this one, what do you want them to know? What do you want them to do? Why do you want them to know it? Why do you want them to do it? And then here it comes. How do you help them remember? Mm. Oh, geez, man, you hit the nail on the That's head. That's free to you. Yeah, well, and I'm probably going to use that lesson, so I hope that's okay. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this. So when you were little, did you ever think, like, was this a thing like you were like, I want to be on the radio, I want to talk to artists, 
I want this field. Was this like little kid Corey always wanted this or how did it, what was that journey even like? I wanted to be a Disney animator. I wanted to draw. I wanted to be a part of cartoon world, Saturday morning cartoons Mm. and someone who had high authority in my life. The beginning of my senior year, when I told them that they said, there's no future in that. You should join the military. And because of the influence they had on my life, I said, oh, you're probably right. Wow. You're, you're probably right. So uh, I always loved the radio, always loved listening to the radio. I'm I'm 54, so I'm the kid that has my finger on the pause button, recording mm-hmm. songs off the radio. I'm the one pretending to talk over songs on the radio. And... You know, this goes back to just reach out and see what happens. I reached out to uh, my hometown morning show guy, and I called him on the request line one morning, and I said, I'm 18 years old. I'm lost. I'd love to come see what you do. I'm trying to figure something out. And he's like, wow, never got a call like that before. (laughs) If I do this, you got to fully commit to the full morning show. And I said, okay, 6 a.m. You got to be here at 6 a.m. And I was like, Oh, for an 18 year old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And his morning show, Matt sounded like there were 20 people on there. But when I got there, it was one guy and it was all theater of the mind and it blew my mind and I'm asking questions and we're talking all morning and I'm seeing him do his stuff. And at 10 o'clock that morning, he said, I've got a shift that no one will work. It's Saturday night at midnight till Sunday morning at eight. This is pre-automation in radio world. So someone has to be physically there doing all the stuff. Right. It's yours if you want it. And I'm going to pay you $3.35 an hour. I was like, (laughs) oh my, I'm going to be the richest man in the world. (laughs) World made. (laughs) And the uh, translation of that is ultimately... Find out what you love and then find out how, how, how to get paid for it. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Do Absolutely. what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. That kind of thing. Yeah. My- so that was uh summer of 91. Okay, man. It's because you always wonder, like some people do, like, you know, they have from the time they're little. And then some people, um, which again, we keep going back to like youth ministry and things. Uh, a lot of the, like the youth that I deal with, they feel some of them like they have to have these 10 year plans and they have to have everything, you know, in line. And if this doesn't happen, then that can't happen. And I can't get to this and I can't do this and I can't be married by this age and I can't have this. And like when I went to college, like I sang when I was little, but when I went to college, this and looking at me, you're probably going to laugh. I thought I was going to play basketball. I'm six one. Now I'm about 170. Uh, five. And uh, back then I was five eleven and a half, 125 pounds. And I went to school in Indiana where everyone can play basketball. <laughs> and I remember looking and every guy was like, I don't know, six foot nine, 200 something. And I had sang when I was little and I kind of stopped in high school because I thought it wasn't cool. And I remember calling my dad. I just told the story to somebody and I, I said, dad, I, I'm thinking of trying out for basketball, trying to walk on or there's a singing group. And my dad was always supportive when you're talking about a voice that speaks into you. I, I listened and and my dad said to me, I love you. 
If you try out for the team and make it and sit the bench, I'll be at every game. You're better at singing. You should join a singing group. And I was mad and I hung up my payphone because I'm 46. So everything you're saying, I'm, I'm tracking with. I was upset. He was right. Um, and I tried out for a Southern gospel singing group. And then the rest was history. But but I'm just saying, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of had to like try different things along the way. And I ended up yeah. even teaching school for 10 years. So I, and I don't know if you come, I, I think you do, but like come at it from the angle of like, back to the worst somebody can do is say no. The worst that can happen is you can try and figure out it's not what you want to do. But maybe you needed to do that thing to get to that next thing to then figure out, you know, that journey. You said, Like you said, it's God's plan and he sees the end. He knows where we're going and his plan is way better than ours. My friend Jeff lost his job two weeks ago and uh, he's getting back into interviewing routine. Okay. And I'm, I just feel like I'm called to be the pep talk for him. I said, Jeff, I firmly believe this. I'm not saying this because of the position you're in, because it happens to me too. If I've got something big about to happen, everything that you've done in your life leads to this moment right here. Mm -hmm. Let's stop going. I'm ill-prepared or I don't, I don't have what it takes. No, 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 no. Believe in the creator of the universe. Everything has led to this moment right here. This is a, you know, like this right here for you and I, to me, it's a big moment. First time meeting. You know, I'm talking to your audience, but everything I've done in my life leads to this moment. Whether or not you ask me about it, that's a whole nother thing. But, you know, I've got another one of these tomorrow with an artist. Everything I've learned about interviewing and their music and all this stuff leads to these moments, you know, this comedy thing I want to chase after. Mm. I've got all the tools for it. Now I just got to build the shed, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, and even being willing to try, I think is such a huge thing. Well, so let me ask you this. So you, you get this job when you're 18, you're doing, is it the graveyard shift? Is that what they used to call those like time slots? Yeah. Overnight um, shift. Yeah. Right. And so when did you then go from, so was this like mainstream music at the time? Mm-hmm. Top so, 40. so when did you then transition into like Christian music world? When and how did that happen? Sure. So I did mainstream from fall of 91 to 02, became quite the rock star in local radio. All right. And then walked away. I pulled a, a George Costanza from Seinfeld. I'm leaving on a high note. <laughs> yeah. Leave it on my terms. I'm leaving on my terms. <laughs> Stepped away. And then um, one thing leads to another. And uh, a job's in front of me, January of 09. Uh, a Christian radio station, and I jumped right in. And what it was was a buddy of mine was working here behind the scenes, and we knew each other previously from Mainstream World. Okay. And he was at a rock station. I was at a top 40 station, but I believe in the power of networking. Always meet as many people as you can. Yep. And um, he called me in December of 08 and said, dude, do you still listen to Christian music? I remember you listening to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I still. He's like, can you please come out here and run this station? Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like, really? Really? He's like, yeah, I need, I need some help. So I took the interview and uh, it included being on the air again. And uh, I said, yeah. And so January of 09, first song I added to this playlist was my deliverer by Mandisa. 
Oh man. And, uh, and then you start drinking from the fire hose of all the stuff I kind of missed out on a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. So, so through those, um, what I, I said off, off air, one of the bands that I saw you with that you like to switch foot, which is one of my favorites, who are some of the artists that you really were like, I mean, obviously you're playing all of these different artists. But who were some people from that 2009 time? Because I like listening to those names because, that, again, that's that's where I was, too, that you were just like, these are the real deal people that you really gravitated towards musically or or people that you kind of were like, watch out. They're going to blow up. You just don't know it yet. Real deal. Third day. Yeah. Mac Powell, who yeah. I would I would consider a friend. Um. Loved third day. Love Brandon Heath. Yeah. Crowder. Casting Crowns. Mark Hall. Casting Crowns. The real deal. Mm-hmm. Such a good speaker, by the way. Yeah. Well, Mark he's Hall. one of us. He's a youth. Yeah. He's he, a youth leader. He gets it. Um, yeah, those those are the ones that resonate right now. A uh, jars of clay. Oh. oh. Oh boy, did I love Jars of Clay. Still do. Me as well. I uh that album came out when I was a freshman in college. And I remember my roommate and I, we were both from from Granite City, Illinois, and we went to school in Indiana. It was like two and a half hour drive. You mentioned the school in Indiana twice. I need to know what school. Okay, it's a small general Baptist school called Oakland City University. In what town? In in Oakland City, Indiana, but it's near Evansville, Indiana. Okay, that's way down south for me. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, very small. Um, we would pop that Jars of Clay CD in on the way home and sing the whole thing. And I remember when Flood, the video debuted on MTV and just being like, we've arrived. Christian, <laughs> Christian music is, you know what I mean? Like legit, because for a while... And you let me know your thoughts on this. It seems like Christian music was going, that's popular and mainstream, or that was popular and mainstream five to seven years ago. We need one of those. Let's just copy it instead of let's be who we are. Fair. I've got an episode coming up with a guy who's been around the block a few times, and he talks directly to that because of the success of that Jars of Clay record. Every Christian artist was like, I want what they've got. Right. So what's that going to take? Right. In in all honesty, other than God's (laughs) hand, money. Yeah. (laughs) Amen and amen and amen. Yeah. 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 So the other side of that, I was at a radio station when that song got handed to me. We're going to start playing this now. Yeah. Who is this? Uh, don't confuse it with this other CD from a band called DC Talk, but we're going to start playing this now. Mainstream radio. Okay. All right. Isn't that, it's, I don't know. It's just crazy. And 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 I do think now, um, you know, I, I think there's so many more just artists who are like, I just want, I want to create art. Uh, this is what my art sounds like. Um, and the focus of it is, is Jesus. Um, and it it's just like, you know, it's like Christian music got such a bad rap for a while because they're like, Oh, well, you didn't make it in mainstream, so you went to be a Christian artist because you couldn't make it anywhere else. I don't feel like that's as much the case now where there's just good musicians. And it seems like for a while, 
I mean, I'm sure there were, but it's like we didn't have as many of those. And some of the stuff, like, I even thinking like my own journey, like we were bad in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, just we, we weren't that good. And I, a lot of artists go through that. Nobody's good in the beginning. No, because you're trying to find out back to what we were saying, who you are and and what like sound and those different things. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure we were doing the same thing. Oh, they made it playing this. We need to sound like them instead yeah. of being like, well, who are we? Um, so those those artists, uh, was there anybody that that like, well, the first time you heard that George Clay song, were you like, oh, this is different. This is unique. Watch out kind of thing. Yeah, I, I heard it on a rock radio station in my town and I thought it was just another, you know, alt rock song into the mix. And so right. I was like, oh, OK. Right. But, then, but, you know, I'm always attracted to the musicality of the song first. Mm -hmm. okay. Then you hear what they're singing about and you go, wait a minute. Uh huh. Wait a minute. Yeah. So, and I you was, know what? Let me, let me, uh, let me add on to something you were talking about. It took me, it took me a decade to figure out my voice in radio. Okay. I was stealing from everyone, trying to figure out who I wanted to be as opposed to just being me. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast just yesterday, Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. Oh, yeah. And he said when they first started, he'd write a lyric, and he goes, this looks like something that Paul Simon would write. Mm. Write another lyric, he goes, this looks like something Johnny Cash would write. This looks like something, uh, you know, somebody would write. And then he finally got to a point of like, well, what would Rob Thomas write? And it was a right. decade. Yeah. You know, and it's like, stop trying to be somebody else or imitate somebody else and be who god created you to be i've said that to a few artists that i've had conversations with is please never lose sight of what you are called to do mm. do not try to create music because you think it's what i want to get on a radio station yeah you've got to we don't need another michael jordan we need the first you yeah you know yeah. there's some basketball for you i like that too <laughs> um what what you just said is is just so on but like what do you think it takes to get people to understand that to stop trying to be a copy and to just be you and that just being you is good enough it's the 10,000 hours rule you know you got to put in the time hmm. you've got to uh you got to stop you really have to stop chasing after the idea of being somebody else. Well, if mm. we just do, if we just sound like that, if I just do my podcast like this guy, I'll right. get as many listeners as well. Never mind that I stink at interviewing or, you know, whatever. Right, right, um, right. You just gotta, you gotta find your voice in everything you do. You gotta find, well, there's a great movie with Will Smith years ago called The Legend of Bagger Vance. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was a golf movie golf, and he's yeah. trying to, he's mentoring Matt Damon and they have this great speech about finding your authentic swing. Hmm. You got to find your authentic swing. And he does this whole speech. I can't buy. Do you remember the authentic swing? Go look it up on the YouTube or whatever. It's very motivating to find your, your yeah. swing, your shot, your chord, your voice, your uh. art, fill in the blank, you know? Right, right. So that actually leads us to this. So doing radio and you kind of like me, we saw technology advance. 
we've seen to, I mean, podcasts didn't exist. Those weren't a thing. So then what happens for you? Cause now you have, uh, the what else podcast, how, how does that even start to happen? And, and were you doing another podcast before that, or was it straight to your own? How did that happen? I tried to do a podcast early on and I only posted it to SoundCloud. Oh man. Cause that's all I, all I knew. I didn't right. know. I, I, w- I got caught up on like, what does the word even mean? Podcast. <laughs> and, um, I had a few conversations with some local TV anchors. I had conversations with some artists that would come through when they do their radio tours. Mm-hmm. And then um, I noticed, Matt, artists started charging pretty high dollars to meet them. VIP experiences. Okay. Gone are the days when you and I were teenagers and the artists would come out to the table and hang out after the show and sign their Bible verse and talk for a while. Now you got to do a pre-show VIP Q&A and regular folks don't have access to these artists anymore. Nope. I have a lot of access because of what I do. And right. uh, so 10 years into doing radio, I said, what if I started recording these chats I have, you know, whether it's over the phone or in person and then put them out there. Yeah. And I talked to a radio friend in Iowa who was already podcasting. He's like, we're starting a network. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> all I know is I can record it. I can edit it. I know all that stuff. And then I, can I send it to you? And he goes, we'll take care of the rest. And so March of 2018 is when I launched uh, the episode, called in all the favors. <laughs> I've had some fantastic uh, conversations. And then I started becoming a student of the craft mm. of interviewing and chatting. Uh, I have gone back to school in a way, reading the books, listening to other interviewers and like how they did what they did. And to a point now, I, apparently I've got a little bit of a reputation of, Oh, that's the guy we mm. need to get. You need to get on that podcast because he's going to ask the questions and, And I just, you know, the challenge to me, Matt, is I don't ask what everybody would probably ask. Mm. That's the, that's the big thing. That's almost like the hidden joke behind what else with a question. What else could I be asking them? You know, and I love, I love doing the homework of the artist. I love trying to find out stuff about them. I Mm -hmm. love calling in favors from other people, networking and going, what can you tell me about this person, that person? And, uh, yeah, it's worked out pretty well. 241 episodes, five years later, yeah. uh, won an award this year for best host, which was uh, an honor and humbling. Um, Congrats, but, man. It's a side hustle. It's a yeah. total side. It's a labor of love. Yeah. And um, it leads me to doing stuff like this with you. So, yeah, well, and you said like, um, you know, doing it. And then also, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, I don't put, I, I try to learn from what others are doing and go, Hey, that really works. Not again, like we said, still being me, but finding out some things and going, well, it's like as a, as a singer, I have some lead singers that I've looked at and I've learned, Oh man. Well, back to switchfoot, John Foreman's ability to work a crowd. 
blows my mind. He's one of my all-time favorite lead singers. And I think he's just himself, but there's things that he does that he connects so well. And I find myself unintentionally or intentionally doing them, stealing them to be like, well, all he's doing is this. Well, all he's doing is looking at somebody. All he's doing, oh, he pulls somebody up on stage, lets them sing, have some, just those things. And so, that, like you said, it's both sides of it. So find out who you are, but then also don't be, I guess the best word is so arrogant to think that you can't learn from other people. Because I feel like when you get to the point where you go, I've learned it all, you're done. You're probably over because you're not open to other things and other experiences and go, well, I can always get better. I mean, do you still find that? Or is there things that you're like, well, I can still do that better. Here's what I just heard you say. Be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I subscribe to that. Yeah. And I, and, and I just think that's, you know, it seems like that's so logical and simple, but sometimes it's, it's so hard for people to learn that. Um, so Switchfoot, uh, I started listening to them. The first album was uh, the album that had like something more and the Mandy Moore. Uh, so I lay my head back down, not dare to move. So I didn't hear the legend of chin, their first album yet. I heard the set, the second album in uh, I graduated college and my cousin uh, shout out to Elon was in a youth group. And he's like, you got to check these guys out. And so I had just become a worship leader at his church, I grew up Baptist. It was an assembly of God church and they just needed somebody again. Okay. Sounds great. I knew four chords on the guitar. So, you know, that means I could play a thousand songs and the Sonic flood pink CD had just come out. I didn't know any of those songs and I thought they had written all of them. That's how I learned, you know, uh, holiness, holiness, uh, heart of worship, all those songs. And so that's how I started like my journey learning those things. So we really got into Switchfoot. And when we started our band, we played at Agape Music Fest in Greenville, Illinois. And they, I think, went on second at the time. So they were still, you know, and they were doing exactly what you just talked about earlier, sitting out at a table after the concert signing autographs, meeting people when you could do that, didn't have to pay for it. And I remember we walked up and did what every band did back then. We gave them our demo like, Hey, and they were the nicest guys. So friendly. We were walking by again and they yelled out, Hey, the max power guys. That's what we used to be called off of a Simpsons reference. And that's why we had to change our name. But, um, and I just kind of fell in love with them from then. And, and my my entire family were just huge fans. They just came to St. Louis. We just saw them on the tour that they're doing where they, you know, they're just replaying that whole album. And it's like, when I hear yeah. them, the feels that just come back. So fan of them, right? You're a, a fan of Switchfoot. Yeah. I just saw them a couple of weeks ago too in Grand Rapids for that, that tour. All right. And I've had the privilege of, spending time with them. They're, they're mm -hmm. amazing individuals. Like they love other human beings. You know, there's, there's a couple of people that I've experienced where there's just something else about them. Mm -hmm. And that's John. That's Amy Grant. Mm -hmm. There's something about 
You're the only one in the room in that moment when you're having a conversation. Mm. There's no looking over the shoulder to see who else I need to be talking to. And yeah, they've given me the time of day and uh, their songs have been my soundtrack for the last since Oh two. Yeah. I, yeah. I jumped in on the beautiful letdown. Okay. And I cannot, I would have to do some deep dive on how many times I've seen them. <laughs> but let me tell you something, Matt, and I don't say this to be egotistical. I just, everything, everything that you work for leads up to this moment. So when mm -hmm. I get the phone call from people behind the scenes, Hey, John wants to talk to you about this new project, beautiful letdown, their version. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get past John wants to talk to you, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, can you, can you keep it, you know, can you keep it at 30 minutes? And so it's like, okay, I've got to wire in, not nerd out, not fan out, <laughs> what, what needs to yeah. be asked to get him where he needs to be. Right. And right. The best, best out of him. And we've, we've, uh, we've chat and recorded chat, uh, many times, but I'm, I'm a huge fan. They, yeah. they still, they're magical. They're, oh, they're, yeah. they're unicorn. I've never seen them and walked away from a show and went, eh, I just haven't. Like anytime I've seen them, we, we've shared, shared a stage twice, uh, which again, tried to, I tried to be cool. Um, I got to talk to Jerome and I, I got to talk to just a couple. I never got to talk to John. When you say that John wants to talk to you. So John is my like white whale goal in life of if I ever can have him on the podcast or write a song with him, I'd be like, all right, I'm good. Lord, it's fine. <laughs> it's time. Um, and and I think it's what you said, just genuine, um, seems to care about people and just not be so full of himself. And like very real uh in interviews, I've seen him just talk about his faith. And I think one thing I love about them too is, you know, they were one of the first bands I feel that said we're Christians in a band, not necessarily label us a Christian band. And I know when that started to happen, I remember them catching some flack from, of course, us godly people who don't judge anyone. And um, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated it more because I've been like, they've probably witnessed to way more people than I ever could because they're going where people are. And singing what's on their heart and mind. And and I think everybody doesn't go dairy to move. That means something. You know what I mean? There's something more to that. And so I feel like that's another reason I've always looked at them and been like, they're kind of being like Jesus, just meeting people and singing about what's on their heart and spreading a positive message and loving people. And I just think if we had more of those types of people back to the, how do we change the world? Uh, let's fill it with more switch fight. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad thing so um so i have to talk to you about this i heard you say well i said that one thing i saw was you have a correct me if i'm wrong a friend who owns a comic book store and then i also heard you say did you interview stan lee yeah yeah so uh oh, Kelly casey here in town have had a comic book store for 27 years Man. which is kind of unheard of yeah, yeah, In especially now. Business. Yeah. Yeah. But their customer service is amazing. They're a loving couple. Their kids. I remember doing a remote at their store for a Star Wars movie. We were handing out tickets 
and I have their oldest daughter in a baby carrier and my microphone <laughs> in the other hand. And she's now, um, you know, a high school teacher, which is <laughs> good people. I, I mean, and you form relationships in that store. I'm in there every Wednesday or Thursday for a new book day, but mm -hmm. we've also broken bread together. We've lived a lot of life together. Um, and they're such good people. Stanley. I think it was the Hulk with Eric Bana. I think oh. that was the movie that was out at the time. Okay. And I went down the rabbit hole on the, you know, the, this new internet and started, you know, bugging Marvel and uh, PR people. And I don't quite remember how that happened, but I do remember being persistent and, it was like a 15 minute interview and it was over the mm. phone and he was very, very, very Stan Lee. And it was yeah. awesome. And I remember asking him, what is it like seeing your creation from 50, 40 years ago now on a big screen for a new generation of people? And, and he was just so accommodating and awesome and uh, of course, I don't have that audio. Uh, speaking of technology and everything we've seen, I recorded all of my shows on mini disc. Oh man, yeah, you remember those? Yes, I thought, yes. wait a minute, you can record on CDs now. This is going to be the be all end all. This is it, and they're smaller, you know, right. put in your pocket or whatever. And so, hours and hours and hours and hours of radio shows. On those things, and I'm looking over here, like I'm gonna see the player here. It's not here, you know. They they fell to the wayside for whatever reason, right? And so I think I remember throwing them away because Goodwill wouldn't have even wanted them. So I threw away all this stuff, and that's on there. But but uh, you have the memory. I mean, that's so. Uh, were you into like comics as a kid too? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. What were some, I, what was, I wanted to draw. I wanted to draw. Right. Uh, so I was a big, um, by the way, we have a cat sighting happening right yes, now. Yes. I just heard my huge cat behind me meowing. Um, that cat is Kylo from star Wars. Very and, nice. Uh, he's uh half Maine Coon. So when we got him, we thought he was a tabby and now he's ginormous, um, and very sensitive. And so Kylo, We've got thank something you for... out the back of our house that is full raccoon. Have you heard of that? I, I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm familiar with that. Um, what were you? Uh... X Men, X Men, bro. Yes. Well, X Men, the cartoon. So I had to go to my grandmother's house during the summer because both my parents worked and didn't trust me to stay alone. <laughs> so the neighbor boy from my grandmother's house had subscriptions to comic books. Oh man! Not 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 at the store at the you know. Yeah, like a pull list. He got him sent home. He got him sent home, and Jeez. he slept until noon. This dude was a rock star. He's my age, but his mom's like, eh. And so I'd get dropped off before 8 o'clock when my parents would work, and I became friends with him and his mom, and she's like, have at it. Oh so I would sit there and read for hours, um, and it was that whole storyline of uh, Gene Gray, Dark Phoenix, hellfire club all that stuff well what in a time to come into comics man yeah and then uh you know batman all the image stuff mm. and then in 1994 i got married 
And my wife teased me a lot about my collection. And I was like, you know what? I'm mature now. I'm so mature. I'm going to. I'm going to move this stuff out of the way, maybe sell it because I'm so mature and we need space. <laughs> and it was quite a collection. And um, much like growing up in an Assemblies of God church and mm -hmm. burning all your cassettes, don't mm -hmm. ever do that because you're going to end up buying them again. I'll just say it out loud. So I've bought a lot of those books again. And now my jam is uh, anything Spider-Man related. Okay. Anything Spider-Man related. Oh, that's a nice tat that we're seeing right there. Anything Impressive. Star Wars related. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Batman still. Yeah, or particular artists that I'm I'm fans of. I, I chase after them. But it all comes back to the community of the friendship of those people. Yeah, so. that, that's I when I saw your Falcon uh, tattoo. Um, so at my church, we have a Star Wars chat group. And so what was awesome was when they were putting out movies, um, we would always go see, you know, well, back in the day, it was the midnight show. Now, thankfully, since I'm older and can't stay awake that late, uh, you don't have to go see the midnight, but we'll, we'll go together. Uh, and Ahsoka that was just on, we watched the first one and the last one together. Well, let me ask, I didn't know it was going to go this way, but uh, how do you like what they're doing with Star Wars? Like what Disney has done? I know this is opening up, Pandora's box, but interested. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. I think money plays a big factor in it and it's a cash cow. Mm -hmm. And there's diehards that will do anything, watch anything, buy anything that has Star Wars on it. Right. Same. And, but I think Same. they've diluted the market. Yeah. That's uh, I think they need to slow down and. Instead of doing 10 things at 20% awesome, consider doing two things at 100% awesome. Totally agree. Does that make sense? And and totally agree. I mean, think about like when we were younger, how long we had to wait for just a movie to come out. And I And I love accessibility. I was having this conversation with one of those Star Wars guys yesterday. So when The Mandalorian came out, I remember the first thing I said was Luke in it because that's my Star Wars, you know, and I know there are some Star Wars fans who are like, do we always have to have a Skywalker in everything? And for me growing up that way, I'm like, yes, because that's who I care about. However, when the Rebels cartoon came out, I was like, I'll never care about a cartoon or these people as much as Lucan and Leia. Then I watched the whole thing and I'm like, man, I think I like Ezra and Sabine and all these people. So <laughs> it they got me with that. But like you said, then it's like, well, give us a little bit of time to breathe. Like I know content, content, content. I mean, think about it. It's it's the same with, with a podcast, with music. You gotta keep putting content out. But I do think it 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 it's the 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 creativity and and like the just it it's just like, well, what if we just did one thing really well? It's like a restaurant that goes, let's have all the food items. You can't make 50 food items awesome, but right, you probably right. can make three. So I kind of feel that's the way they are too. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think it's all Kathleen Kennedy's fault or no? No, there's there's a lot of moving pieces. She's just mm -hmm. the, she's the one we see. That's There's a lot of moving pieces. 
Right. She's the figurehead. Yeah. And we can put blame on her or not. Because I, I don't, and I don't know how you feel about this. So the newer ones, seven, eight, and nine, I enjoy them. I know some people that don't at all. Uh, they don't like Ray. They don't like that story. And when she said her name was Ray Skywalker at the end, they stormed out. I mean, just that upset. To me, I was like, okay, I kind of like her as a character and stuff. How do you feel about the, that newer stuff? I saw The Force Awakens seven times in seven nights. So Thursday Are you sure night, we're not related, dude? Are you sure? Thursday <laughs> night, and then open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The first one was, uh, you know, just with a buddy. Friday right. night was with my son, who was seven or eight at the time. And then other friends calling me up because they knew I purchased tickets. And they're like, I couldn't get any because it was sold out. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's totally go. Because it reminded me of 1977. Yeah, It reminded me of the line around the building. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of, you know, a lot of blue screen in those prequels, mm -hmm. which is like, ew. But there was something tactile about the way J.J. Abrams did The Force Awakens. Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, I mean, I hear from, oh, man, I like, I liked it. I mean, I fizzled a little on Last Jedi and mm -hmm. and the other one that I don't remember the name, but I had a great conversation on my podcast, What Else with Corey Mann on all podcast platforms, <laughs> with a guy named James Arnold Taylor. This is about two episodes ago. And James is the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in all of the animated stuff for the last 20 years. So when I click oh, on wow. Zoom, Matt, he goes, hello there. No. And I just melted. <laughs> and it was, in my opinion, a fantastic conversation. He loves the Lord. He's talented. Oh, wow. I know that. And he made me want to go watch The Clone Wars for the first time. Because I was like, cartoons? What? Right. And so right now I am season two, episode seven for the very first time. And I'm enjoying yes. it, totally yeah. enjoying it. But yeah. I'm also name dropping. I know that dude. <laughs> I've, got, I've got his number on my phone. I totally know him. I like, mean, heck I, I yeah. So all of my friends who listen to that right now, just one of them probably drove off the road. So I'm going to have to go listen to that interview. Please uh, do. It's, a, it's I, a fun one. Yeah. And I didn't know he was a believer either. Um, So... Uh, la last thing, because I, I know I've kept you for a while, but I'm telling you, there's so many things you're saying. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Find something we don't agree on. It'd be neat. Um, Stand-up comedy. You are in your... I liked what you did when you said, I'm saying this out, out there. I'm putting this out there. Almost like, so I'm held accountable that it's out there. Now I have to pursue it. So how did that I like idea even obviously you have a good sense of humor, you're funny and you can talk. So naturally it seems like a natural fit. But what was the thing that was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. What caused you to even want to pursue that full circle moment? you ready. Here we go. You remember when I said there was a voice in my life that said, don't draw. There's no future in that. Go to the military. Yeah. So I put down the pen in 1987 and never touched it again ever in 2015 
We get my son a How to Draw Ninja Turtles book. Have you seen those before? Like, yes. draw your favorite whatever. Yes. So he opens that up on December 25th. December 26th, he's broken all the toys that he got, and that's what's left. <laughs> so we're at the dinner table, and I'm like, let's do this together. Matt, I put my pen on the paper, and a bolt of lightning goes through my hand into the pen, and I'm reminded of how much I love this right here. So I I say out loud, I'm going to draw every day and I'm going to post it every day for accountability, Mm -hmm. hold myself accountable, and I'm going to get back to it. If I miss a day, I'm going to draw twice as much. Wow. So all of 2016, every single day, or if I miss a day or whatever, we added up at the end of the year, 443 posts of me drawing again, which you can still see on Jeez. my Instagram. All right. I'm checking. And my nine year old at the time goes, Now what? And I went, Okay. <laughs> All right. I hear you. <laughs> I'm going to create characters and I'm going to write a kid's book. I'm going to print the kid's book. I'm going to raise money for the book and we're going to do it. And we're going to do it before the end of the year. So in 2017, I launched a Kickstarter campaign, made all my money in 24 hours, and I released my first book called Stuffed, Bare Minimum. It's about a uh, Build-A-Bear who comes to life, and he only speaks in third grader, nine-year-old puns (laughs) based on my son at the time. And uh, I only had enough money for 500 copies. I think I have two left. Wow. And I could tell you so many stories about the local schools that wanted me to come and go, how did you do that? Yeah. How did you, how did you do? I saw my book on a shelf last night at a family member's house and they're like, look, we're representing. And I'm like, man, there's so many, so many memories and stories attached to that. But it was a moment of again, now what? Yeah. Well, I know how to use this thing pretty good. Right. Uh, I've got a great sense of humor. Uh, I have access to comedy locations. I've got a network of people who are like, oh yeah, you got to come here and do this. And uh, I have a friend who I've got some people behind the scenes who are now going to help me craft the roadmap. And uh, so I've got this little folder, this little uh, handheld. This is an old VHS cassette cover <laughs> yeah, that the too. former guitarist of the Verve Pipe. Oh my gosh. This is now his business. He makes albums like this and uh, VHS stuff like this. And I have begun to start writing my ideas and my routine. And by golly, if you and I talk by November 13th of 2024 and I haven't done this, we're going to have a problem. All right. (laughs) Accountability. (laughs) So I'm chasing after it. Dude. So my wife said to me, um, She's like, it sounds like a joke. You're trying to, uh, <laughs> my wife, said, my wife <laughs> says to me, I just flew in a boy. My arm's tired. Um, she said, uh, we were talking just about things because so one thing I've noticed about you, you have a lot of interests, a lot of different interests. I, I feel I'm the same way. I'm interested in a lot of different things. And I feel like I have enough ability in a lot of different things to just be dangerous. Um, some things I'm a, I'm a little better at, so I focus on those. But like, uh, I feel 
I, I said to her, I said, hey, I said, pray, because um, I have this podcast with Corey Manta. And I said, I don't know him. Um, so I don't know how this conversation would go. And she goes, you'll be fine. You can talk to anyone. And so she calls the being able to do all those things is, is a renaissance man. And I feel that's who you are. Um, and I don't know if because of society and how we have to make it, you know, and we have to get uh, fame and different things. If people are allowed to to branch off and do a lot of different things, or if somebody is kind of like you said at the beginning, that voice that goes, no, 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 you can't do that. There's nothing in that, or there's no money in that, or there's no you know future in that. Just do this one thing, go after it. We're not saying just to do everything crappy, but like, what if God clearly gave you a bunch of different abilities, gave you a bunch of different talents? So why aren't we allowed to do so many different things? Do you think that's a society cultural thing? Or are there more people out there that are doing this? And I'm just not aware of it. I think it goes back to the original fear of and the one I've dealt with for a number of years gone into therapy about is, do I have what it takes? Mm. Because the most important person, according to me, wasn't saying that. Right. You know, where right. a father figure should go, dude, you got what it takes. You, you, you're going to be on the bench. I'll be in every game. Yeah. That's not the language I grew up with. The language I grew up with is, you're wasting your time on drawing. You should go in the military. Mm -hmm. And so I've always struggled with the daddy issue of do I have what it takes? I'm I'm so past that now. Right. Like I, I have just uh what did Jelly Roll say at that awards? Oh There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. And to me, that means opportunity and you know, perspective, all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, um, and I'm also going against the grain. Cause I said earlier, do two things at a hundred percent, you know, I'm right. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing four, right. but that's going to be the best I can do. So right. if I choose anything else, Matt, I'm going to have to get rid of something here because I also firmly believe you do what you have to so that you can do what you want to. Mm, that's good. So I'm going to have to sacrifice something because I want to try this stand up. Right. So you know, that's, right. that's a whole other podcast of what I'm about to <laughs> sacrifice, but right. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it's like the appetizer plate at uh, who's the one that does all the stuff, a Chili's or an Applebee's. They just load it, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm dropping a comedy meatball on the top of it. And I expect it to stay on there as opposed to right. it's going to roll off or something else is going to fall off instead of me removing something and right. putting it on there so it's sturdy. That's a good point. Yeah, because there are only so many hours in the day, in your schedule, in your life. Um, and you're right. Sometimes you, and, and I think sometimes the hardest thing to do is knowing what to cut, you know, because you are passionate about things or there's things you've done forever and knowing to go, ah, I really want to try this thing. Let me ask you this last thing. So did you say 54, mm -hmm. 46? And one thing I struggle with, um, you know, I pursued Christian music, a career in it for like 20 plus years. And most of the people I play with all live in Nashville. They're 10 to 15 years younger than me. Um, I surround myself with people who are better than me because they make me look better. And 
I'll talk about my age a little bit and be like, well, you know, like I, a lot of people don't want a 46 year old coming in and leading worship at their camp or they don't want to blah, blah, blah. And one of my friends who lives in Nashville, I, I think he's just just in his 30s now, if that uh, he was like, you know, I think the person who the age thing bothers the most is you. And it really isn't as big of a deal as you think it is. Do you ever struggle with that of just like, well, you know, I'm this. Can I do this? Is that ever a thing? Two questions to follow up. When you saw me, did you go, he's 54? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's that. Yeah, I was like, huh? Yeah. I thought we were about the same age, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Since I turned 50, I've I've had a little bit of... um, the, the the sand timer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i've had a little bit of uh-oh uh-huh. i got more time behind me than i do in front of me right and so i feel like time's a wasting gotcha so you know little god winks along the way jelly mm-hmm. roll wins new artist of the year last week at 39 Right. That's unheard of in that genre. Oh, yeah. Crowder, in my opinion, is hitting his stride. The most creative he's ever been. Just turned 50. So age is nothing but a number, my friend. Awesome. Nothing but a number. And I might have asked that because I needed to hear it. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to let you go, but I feel like we've scratched the surface. <laughs> I feel like there's so many other things. So, uh, you want to be friends? I really do, man. I'm serious. Like okay. the X-Men stuff, the comics drawing. I, I do watercolors. I paint. Okay. Um, so everything you're saying, I'm like, I feel like this is the step brothers moment. <laughs> and we do just we... become best friends. Yes. Do you want to go out in the garage and do karate? Yes. So where can everybody catch you, Mr. Corey Mann? I'd say the best way is to point you towards the podcast, What Else with Corey Mann. It's recorded in laser digital stereo. You're going to love how it sounds. Mm-hmm. That's the dumbest thing I'll say in this whole podcast. <laughs> uh, I mainly talk to Christian artists, okay. but every now and then I veer off the path and talk to the voice actors uh, the director of this new journey to Bethlehem, in my opinion, was a fascinating conversation. Oh. First time director. But really, everything he's done in life, Matt, has led to this moment. So it makes perfect sense. Right. Um, what else with Corey Man? I'm on Instagram. I believe my handle is Mr. Corey Man MR. And uh, I just today, right before you and I jumped on this, have started an online documentary of one man's journey to the comedy stage oh that's awesome so we're gonna have some fun with that because a dear friend and my mentor said you should totally film this yeah oh my gosh totally film this and i'm like what he goes just do your little things that you do and yeah i said okay so oh my gosh yeah especially when you look at like things that are on netflix and everything that's a so so let me ask this last question i will let you go uh, so as you pursue the comedy thing, when you, when you get to that point where you're like, Hey man, I'm doing my thing. I'm traveling. Is that a thing where it'll just be like mainstream comedy clubs? Will it also be churches? 
or it'll be like, it'll be whoever wants to have me. What do you think? I'm not there in my thinking yet. Okay. I would say I want to be like Switchfoot. I want to play in a regular venue. I want to do, I'll, I'll go anywhere, but I, I would right. like to, I would like to go in a comedy venue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's cool. the best answer I got for you right now. Yeah. I, and I, and I understand, appreciate that. So if you are ever in St. Louis, and I'm serious, please be like, Hey, I'm, I'm in town. We need to, what are St. Louisy things? And I just got some barbecue joints to take you to and maybe a Cardinal game and stuff like that. Uh, I'll introduce you to my friend, Jeremy. He lives there. He is on um, the joy FM. Okay. And he, uh, he's the one that chooses the music that that station plays. Oh, all right. Okay. So I'll, maybe I could connect you to yeah. my other friend, Mike lives there. So uh, I, I would have reason to come for multiple reasons to come. <laughs> that would be great. I feel we've covered a ton and it's awesome, but I feel like we've had one point driving the whole thing. And uh, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you doing this. And again, what we said, people take a risk, ask, you know, the worst that somebody can say is no. Uh, I've been Matt. This has been Corey. This has been the Great Romance Podcast. Thanks again for your time, man. Thanks for having me and good luck editing this episode. <laughs>